What's up, everybody? Welcome to Nintendo Dads, episode 252. Tonight's episode, we discuss the financial reports. Spoiler alert, Nintendo be making the money. Um, and I talk about Luigi's Mansion 3. That's that's kind of it. But um, all right, well, somebody just cue that music, would you? folks hey so maybe you're like hey this is weird it's nobody except for just justin what's going on well guys it is it's halloween and so we decided to have a week off you know we're taking the little ghouls and goblins out trick-or-treating as you may be as well so the entire team decided to take a little bit of a week off but of course of course i love you you know what i'm saying like just between just between all of us like i'm the one who's like no guys our, you know, our audience needs our content and we're amazing and they love us. So, you know, no, you guys, you do your own thing. I've got this. So here I am. Reality of it actually just being is that uh, I just still want to talk to you because I think there's some things that you may want to know about and we get questions about. So what are we talking about today? Well, Nintendo's financial reports have come in. So I'm going to talk a little bit about that because that is dominating the Twitter conversation right now. I'm going to parcel out some of that. What does it mean? Are those good things? What's going on? Then I'm going to spend some time talking about Luigi's Mansion 3. Of course, my review is available on the Nintendo Dads channel. Uh, so we're going to have an opportunity to listen to that. But really cool. Really, really cool. At the end of this episode, you're going to like my little chat is we've actually got Gary and he spent uh, last weekend or a few weekends ago up at EGX. That is a huge gamer convention uh, over in London. It's about as big as like PAX East and PAX West. And he got his hands on a ton of games. He was there with some of our good friends like Gar uh, sorry, like Paul Lloyd, uh, Barry Dunn, the lads from Switch Island, Jack. They were all there as well. So it's a good opportunity to, for him to kind of explain what he's seen in uh, PAX and sorry, EGX. Um, which again, much very, very much like PAX, is an opportunity to get hands on games that may be in the pipeline three, four, or five months from now. So he'll uh, he'll talk to us about that as well. So let's jump into it for our news. Of course, our news is brought to us by, well, you, the amazing folks over at patreon.com. Hey, listen, very simple. If you want to support us, head over to patreon.com backslash Nintendo Dads. You have the ability to donate a dollar a month, whatever. If you don't want to donate, that's okay too, but it's there if you want to. Nonetheless, I digress. Let's jump right into the news. So the big news item that has actually come out this morning uh, is that Nintendo's fiscal, uh, fiscal report or financial report has come out. Now, just as a reference point, because I think this is very important for context here, Nintendo's financials uh, are reported from, um, sorry, April 1st to March 31st. So they are, that's their fiscal calendar, unlike a traditional calendar calendar where you'd go January to December. What we're going to talk about here and what the report um, is, is their Q2, quarter two, fiscal and financial reports that come out of it. So the really important part here for us to recognize is that this reporting is from, bear with me one second here. This would be from the end of January. So this is July 1st. There we go. I think trying to figure out how three months work. This is July 1st to September 30th. So that's the three month window that we're going to be really reporting on or talking about what a lot of these numbers are, are in relation to. Now, we're also going to provide a larger context of what does this mean from business unit or from units sold and moved, but this is just that kind of snippet. So let's jump right into it. Um, not a huge shock. Nintendo is doing really, really well. They're selling a lot, right? Uh, so again, not a huge, huge, uh, crazy thing here. One of the things I'd want to maybe start off with, I'm going to start off with the, the, the holistic lifetime of the Nintendo Switch first. They uh, Nintendo has reported that their hardware sales, so this is all hardware sales. So this would be the Nintendo Switch and presumably the Nintendo Switch Lite, the OG, the the better battery life model they did as well is reporting at a 41.67 million units. Now, this is not shipped. This is actually purchased. So we have 41.67. You can pretty much round that up for ease sake. 42 million units that are out there uh, out in the wild for the Nintendo Switch. Now, this is the really kind of cool part afterwards. They have a software sales, and this is really interesting, software sales at 246 
million units. So now that is that is a pretty pretty hefty number. Um, and just for just for context here, so if we just do simple kind of math, uh, let's say forty two uh, divided by two hundred forty six. Oopsies, I'm gonna do math on the fly. That means approximately almost six. Every single switch in general has about six pieces of software on it. Now that's that's an interesting interesting component as well. Um, so I think that's a huge thing. Now let's then break into what the lifetime sales of some of these big big games are. Now they have some massive titles that obviously we've talked about before that are doing absolutely tremendous for them and have always. And we're going to talk about kind of where those where those games are. First and foremost, still dominating the conversation at 19 million is Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. This goes back to that statement before of like we talk about um, why Mario Kart is on the phones, is on mobile, because people love Mario Kart regardless. So think about it. 19 million copies of Mario Kart 8. Um, and we have about 42 million copies or 42 million Nintendo Switches out there in the wild, meaning that basically one in every two consoles has Mario Kart 8. That's an incredible attachment rate, right? So we are nearly at a 50% attachment rate for a game. That is amazing numbers. And that's really, really important when we talk about the future of a franchise and the future of an IP. Why do we not see... Question gets asked, why are we not seeing Mario Kart um, 9 come out? Because the reality is Mario Kart 8 is still making bank, right? It is still moving units, continues to have that engagement. When you see a potential stop or a dip in that sales and we don't see the same level of movement, then that's when you'll see potentially a new franchise coming out and getting moved. So again, that's one of the reasons why we see that. Uh, taking second place is Super Smash Brothers Ultimate at 15.71 million. Um, actually, and just squeaking out into number three is Super Mario Odyssey at uh, 15.38 million. So, so pretty fantastic job there. I do want to run down some more quick numbers for you as well. Uh, Breath of the Wild is now in fourth place at 14.54 million. Uh, Pokemon Let's Go Pikachu and Eevee 11.28. Now, again, let's put that in context. That's a very interesting number. A game like um, pardon me, a game such as Legend of Zelda, right, or even Mario Odyssey, where we're talking 15 and 14 millions. Mario uh, Odyssey has been out now for two years. Uh, that was in the launch cycle year of the Nintendo Switch. We are actually two years out from that game, and we're at 15 million. Breath of the Wild, 14.5 million. We're nearly at three years for that launch cycle, uh, for that game as well, coming up here in March of 2020. But then we have Pokemon Let's Go Eevee and Pikachu at 11.28 million. This is, again, think about franchises moving in the importance of a franchise like um, Pokemon to Nintendo. Pokemon Let's Go Eevee and Let's Go Pikachu have not even been out for a full year and, and are selling at 11.28 million. So again, if we ever think about what is the, the impact of the casual gamer, the Pokemon franchise, Right there, it is absolutely massive. Why does Nintendo release their games? Why do they release Pokemon near November, middle Black Friday, holiday season? This is why. They know they absolutely move. They have a banger on their hands, and they are going to sell a huge amount. And again, let's think about it. Let's go Pikachu and Eevee. It's a remake of an old Game Boy game, right? Like, so... Again, absolutely tremendous job there. Um, this is a fast. I, I find this fascinating, and we're going to see what happens with Pokemon Sword and Shield. Uh, I do want to talk about some other numbers here. Splatoon Two is just shy of ten million at uh, nine point two eight. So again, we can expect maybe that to crack over uh, in the coming um, financials. Super Mario Party, Super Mario Party having only been out now for just over a year is at seven point five million. Super Mario Odyssey is at four point five million. Um, and a couple others that I do want to highlight. Now, this one's are, these ones are really, really uh, important to note here. Uh, we do have that Super Mario Maker 2 uh, came in at 3.93 million units. Now, the interesting part there, again, Super Mario Maker 2 was released in, memory serves me correctly, mid-June. So you were just finishing off that Q1 fiscals there by a couple of weeks and then rolling into July, August, and September. Now, this is, a, this is very interesting, and the reason I find this fascinating is that the next piece of, of software that they that they reported on, which is Link's Awakening, comes in at 
won three million. This is fascinating because Link's Awakening or Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening really only had approximately two weeks um, to be able to get to 3.13 million before the fiscal reporting ended, which is the end of September. So Link's Awakening in two weeks did about 75% of what Super Mario Maker 2 has done for the entire three months and two weeks that it had at play. So we can definitely see there was a huge appetite for it and and definitely uh, very accessible for people to jump into. So those were some of the quick financial reports uh, as well that were interesting. Um, we do have some other kind of quick information about games as well that were uh, that were during that quarter. Um, Fire Emblem sold 2.29 million units. Again, a very niche game, but I think for Fire Emblem, again, that was early July for uh, almost 2.5. So again, 2.29 million units sold um, for a somewhat of a niche game in a very crowded space in July. Right. So if we think about games like uh, Marvel's Ultimate Alliance was in there. Um, Astral Chain was late, no late August. So I apologize. Uh, so that wasn't a huge, huge impact in there as well. We had Mario Maker a few weeks earlier. Um, we had Fire Emblem. There was a Dragon Dragon Quest. There is Dragon Quest was in there. There was a lot of games kind of coming out in in early to mid July or, or the month of July that was kind of competing for mind space, right? Um, and, and and share space. So we definitely knew that that was a pretty big uh, kind of hurdle. And again, being a niche game. Um, I think still that is really, really great, uh, great numbers there as well. Just want to kind of grab some additional content here for people to, to be referencing. Uh, the question that was kind of asked a fair bit, uh, or that I kind of found was what were the actual numbers or moves of the switch light? Now, again, the switch light, uh, we know had came out in middle of September. And unless you're someone like Bobby Pauls, who bought three copies of it, um, you probably, or may have only purchased one. So let's talk a little bit about those numbers that came out here as well. So I give me one second here. I had that. Da, 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 da. I had it and I lost my my tab. Bear with me one second here. There um, we go. Uh, the new Switch Lite managed to move 1.9 million units. Uh, and again, and I, I want to just give credit here. This is coming off of, where, where am I grabbing this? This is gamesindustry.biz. 1.9 million units. And, and the, the great quote here, I want to say is, despite only launching 11 days before the end of the fiscal half. Again, that is uh, that is a pretty good movement, 1.95 uh, for only 11 days. Obviously, we can expect when we see our next fiscal uh, report, which is going to come out, uh, which is going to run here from October to the end of December, we can expect those numbers to be a little bit different as well. We should expect that report to be the end of January. We should be expecting to see more Nintendo Switch Lights move than the 1.95. Obviously, the fact that we have the Pokemon special one coming out in November, that is going to be a huge, huge move uh, for Nintendo. Uh, so overall, this is a really good uh, movement for for Nintendo. I do want to send uh, get some quick information here just to uh, let you know for the six months of Nintendo's fiscal year that's ending March or sorry ending September thirtieth, two thousand nineteen. The company has reported a net sales of four hundred and forty three point seven nine billion yen. Translates out to about four point one million USD, and that is a year on year increase of fourteen point two percent. So that is a definitely a huge, huge uh, win for Nintendo. Not a huge shock. They are making the money, and they are doing really well. Um, we've they've also quoted here as well. The platform holds uh, holder also reports digital sales of seventy three sorry seventy one point six billion, which is six hundred sixty million up 83% year on year. This is attributed to the steady growth in sales for downloadable games plus Nintendo Switch Online. So again, we're seeing that increased digital sales uh, as well. Um, the other thing I do want to say here is, uh, and just again, this is coming from um, game business industry or gameindustry.biz. Uh, I do want to quote this here. There was a rare insight in the company's mobile business with revenues from the smartphone title uh, titles reporting at 19.9 billion, uh, which is 183.6 million for the six months, an increase of 6.4% year on year. Nintendo did not detail how this was split between previous uh, released titles and new releases uh, such as Mario Kart Tour and Dr. Mario World. So again, a lot kind of going on there as well. There is, of course, no mention yet of any kind of uh, sales numbers for any 
any preloads or presales such as Luigi's Mansion 3 or Pokemon Sword and Shield. Um, of course, that will be a huge effort for them um, in the next um Next fiscal report, and I think we'll see good uh, good numbers on that. Uh, finally, the report did show the ongoing decline of the 3DS. This is not a huge shock. Hardware sales were down 62.9% year-on-year to just 370,000 units, while software was down eight, uh, sorry, 585 uh, percent to 2.6 million lifetime sales stand lifetime sales. Ooh, wow, stand at 75.45 million hardware units with uh, 380.71 million games. So with that, even if I'm just taking a quick glance at that unit or those um, games to software to hardware ratio, that's about um, to every 3DS, you have about five games approximately on there, give or take. So again, big, big uh, report for, for, um, for Nintendo. Not a huge shock. I think we as ind- individuals who are in the industry or, or fans of it know, they've been making the money. And they're doing quite well. This is obviously good things for us as consumers. Why is this good for us as consumers? Well, it's good and bad, actually. As games continue to make more money, we see big sales on the Nintendo Switch. um, And we see continually see individuals go to it. More companies want to put more games on it. And they want to find ways to make games work on that. I think, for example, we can take a moment and look at um, Blizzard's work. If Diablo 3 was indeed sort of a testing bed for whether the game sold on the Nintendo Switch, they obviously had the data to support they did, and then you move to something like Bring Overwatch. So as more and more games sell and more and more companies jump onto it, we have options or opportunities for... for third-party developers to bring more games over the Switch. The interesting thing that I'm, I'm fascinated by seeing is I'd love to see the numbers for something like The uh, Witcher 3, um, and I'd like to see them for Overwatch as well. Again, seeing some of these big titles that third parties bring onto the Switch um, with an install base as high as it is and continues to grow gives a good opportunity, some good insight as to whether we're going to see more third-party developments or if con- Nintendo is going to continue with kind of pushing their first-party par- IPs uh, and supporting the indie scene, which I think they will continue to do, but can we add another revenue Stream, which would be our third parties as well. So yeah, guys, that is kind of the breakdown of the financial reports coming from Nintendo. Um, let's just do a quick check. I don't think there's any other huge news uh, that I want to just check on here. So bear with me one second. And I probably should have prepped this, but I didn't. Let me just check if there are any huge other news items. Because again, this is a short podcast. Um, and obviously, we've got Gary on the back end of it as well. I don't want to... Um, don't want to take away from his time. Although I will say interesting news that is coming out uh, from the fiscal report as well as they did break down some of the sales. Apparently the most popular switch color for the switch light is the turquoise is the turquoise. So that's, that's an interesting thing as well. Uh, one other thing I actually would bring your attention to uh, just before we transition over what we've been playing. Uh, as we know, Reggie Fizeme, uh has moved on to from Nintendo and is kind of doing a little bit of a, a speaker series at, I believe it's Cornell University, um, and, or sorry, Cornell College of Business. I apologize that. If you have an opportunity, and I'm, you know, I, I love business. I love watching how businesses work and, and um, leadership development as part of my career as well and in, in my actual work. Um, Reggie did a, did a, a talk recently about like seven characteristics of leadership and leadership development, um, and how you work in an organization, uh, go over and I'm not going to, I'm not going to try and quote any of his stuff there. I think it's absolutely brilliant. Go over to his Twitter account, follow him if you're not already. Um, and he actually broke down each of those seven clip or seven tips into mini clips that he put on Twitter. that are about two minutes long. Um, just a great opportunity to see the insight of such a, an amazing individual, um, and, and just how he views leadership as an organization and, and how you continue to grow, um, with your, and lead your, uh, your teams. And I thought it was just fascinating. So if you're, if you like business, like I do, you should definitely check that out. Uh, some other rumors that are going on as well. We may be getting Terry Bogart into our DLC into smash brothers coming very soon. Of course, there was no official release date for this star, uh, of, of the fatal fight. Um, However, we can expect that coming very soon. Again, it has been uh, moved to coming soon. Uh, and it is November that I believe um, uh, Sakurai had mentioned to us. So we should expect to hear information on that uh, very, very soon. Um, there's also been a crazy rumor out there for when the Nintendo next Nintendo Direct is coming in November. It's absolutely crazy. Uh, if that occurs, that'll be amazing. Um, but it's a little bit... Um, a little bit off the deep end, and it's on 4chan. If you want to take a read of that, you can, but I'm not going to spend the time doing that. I'm going to jump into what I have been playing. 
Alright folks, well this is actually really, really simple. As most of you know, I have been playing Luigi's Mansion 3, and I have absolutely, absolutely been loving it. You can check out my uh, official Nintendo Switch uh, video review of Luigi's Mansion on our YouTube channel, you can check that out. Um, please do, check it out, give it a watch if you're questioning it. Um, guys, I've just, I mean, I don't really know what more to say, I've absolutely been loving it and enduring and playing it. Um, it's a ton of fun, right? And I know if you guys are getting this on Halloween, um, like this podcast, there is just, um, a lot of fun in it and it's got, a, it feels like it's a little bit of everything for man for everyone. Um, it's definitely accessible, right? With whether it's a multiplayer local, um, which is up to eight players, which is pretty crazy. You've got the online scare scraper, which can also be up to eight players, uh, online or local as well, which is pretty awesome. We just need some more switches for that. You've got the really cool dropping in and out co-op function of it as well. And I did a video with my daughter recently where we played and she played as Guiji and we um, did level nine or of the hotel. Um, and the single player collect, you can do a collect-a-thon of it, right? Like you can absolutely scour every single corner. Some of the stuff's pretty hard to find. You got more booze to find. Like it, there's just a lot there for single player. Um, I've always really loved the Luigi's Mansion franchise. I've thought that... Um, it's nice for him to kind of get his own showcase. And as I said in my review, it's, it's, I think what they've really done here, next level games has moved Luigi's mansion from kind of this, this like fringed franchise into kind of being a really much more stapled uh, idea. I think, you know, they put, there was a launch title on the GameCube when that came out, um, which I think was a great showcase for it. And then your follow-up was on the DS, you know, I don't know how many years later. Right. And then you kind of, you know, only last year, republished on the DS again like it kind of felt like a, it felt like a franchise that they liked the idea of, but never really gave it the amount of of love that it probably needed um but here it's really pulled it up into I think a, a game that you are like oh yeah this is this is this is a good franchise now I'm not saying I want it like I don't want it annualized I don't want in two years from now Luigi's Mansion 4 like I don't want that but I do think that what Nintendo has realized that they have a really good franchise a really solid IP that they could invest more time and energy into and really actually I think um it can become a a, a stable right it can become a stable that in five six years from now when you're on switch I don't know 2.0 or whatever it is we're all at E3 going like oh come on where's our Luigi's Mansion 4 oh my god it's Luigi's Mansion 4 yes and we're all hyped about it the same way we'd be hyped for something like a Metroid or um you know Legend of Zelda well probably not in that degree but uh you know Metroid or Pikmin these games that are not instantly instantly top of mind when you think of Nintendo but is a steady stream of content they built so that's exciting um I am actually super interested. And of course, if you guys are getting Luigi's Mansion, uh, let me know. Like, send me direct tweets or put it in the Nintendo Dads or tweet us. Like, what do you guys think of it? I, 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 I've enjoyed it, but I'd love to hear what everyone else thinks um, and the excitement around it as well. The other interesting part is that Nintendo has announced, or well, shown on the eShop that they are going to be doing DLC for it. I am curious what that DLC strategy is going to be. Um, I... As I'm playing it, I'm struggling to like. Are they? Are, is it more mini games? Is it? Is there another level or another like the hotel buckles on like f ten more stages and levels that you have to complete? Like what is it? Uh, so I, I don't really, you know, like when you do Odyssey, when we did Odyssey, right? It kind of felt like yeah, you can open up a new a new world and new that we can fly to a new or sorry new stages that we can go to, and it makes logical sense. I don't really know where that fits into the full canon of this game. But that's just me. Let me know what you guys think. Um, but yeah. So yeah, Luigi's Mansion has been what I have been playing. Of course, we have lots of coverage there for it. Uh, a couple of the things that I, I've kind of been briefly playing. I love like Halloween events. I think anytime we can do a seasonal event, it's it's a bunch of fun. A um, couple of seasonal events to bring your attention to. Over uh, Overwatch has a seasonal event right now where you can get different skins. Um, Rocket League, which they have partnered with uh, folks from Stranger Things. Um, Fortnite has the Fortnite mirrors or whatever. So again, there's a bunch of Halloween themed skins and activities that you can go out to do as well. So I've been playing a bit of those, just jumping in for like one or two matches, just because I like a little bit of Halloween stuff. Um, so yeah, folks, that is kind of what uh, I have been playing. Oh, the other thing, I haven't been playing it yet, but you can look for more coverage on this. Um, after spending two and a half years over in Ireland, um, let's just say I enjoyed my my deep fried goujons and my pints of beer. Um, this dad bod needs to get some work. So I, I went out and bought Ring Fit Adventure. Um, 
And I'm going to try and do like a, a month long vlog series of me playing Ring Fit Adventure and seeing how we actually get through it. Now, I, I fully, you know, expecting to hopefully try and lose some weight, get a little more fit. Um, I'm training for a mud run in August uh, up here in Alberta. And so I recognize that I need to start getting myself in better shape. So I'm going to use this as part of my routine. This is not exclusive. Like, I'm going to do just Ring Fit Adventure and I expect to lose 50 pounds. I'm going to use it as part of my, you know, change in, in healthy structure, I guess. Right. So we're going to include this into more daily, more trying to do more daily walks, do some Ring Fit watch what I'm eating, you know, and maybe try and do a run or two uh, a week. So again, just trying to add it to my routine uh, as again, as a work from home employee, and especially as it is snowing in Canada and it gets colder, getting outside, going for runs, going for bicycle rides become much more um, difficult. And to be honest, after work and everything, I sometimes don't feel like going to the gym and just kind of feel lazy. Um, but I think having the ring fit in my venture, uh, or sorry, ring fit adventure in my house and close to my living room, which I can, and I have a spare room down here that I can work out in. Uh, hopefully that will will go well. So more to come on that, guys. A um, couple other things I want to talk about before we ran this out. And of course, um, so we do got some more games that have been put up in reviews on our channel. We've got a couple of the lads, um, Dan and uh, uh, Antonio and uh, Zach, uh, John, I think. Uh, I'm trying to remember everyone who's doing it. There's lots of people. My Okay, here's my point. A lot of people in our community are helping do video reviews for the games. This is awesome, guys. Thank you so much. If you can go over to our, our YouTube channel, give them a watch. That would be so fantastic because they are just just again. We've talked about before in like episode 250, how the community is really driving this. That is absolutely a true statement. So guys do that as well. Um, speaking of community driven content, haha, uh, November, the game for monthly mayhem is uh, Luigi's Mansion. And uh, we have got that video up on our YouTube channel as well. So make a, take a watch of what um, John and Drew have been doing to uh, to get that content ready. And um, they've been running that that area so well. And it's just awesome way to engage our fans. A couple other ways to make sure you're engaged with the content that we are doing and staying uh, apprised on it. This weekend, myself and a bunch of the Nintendo Dads community uh, on Saturday at noon Mountain Standard Time. That's one o'clock. Central Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time are going to be playing the Mega Dads as they're doing their Extra Life campaign in Splatoon 2. So we have got a team of Nintendo Dads versus the Mega Dads, and they have got a squad. So this is going to be a splat fest between the two squads. So if you have an opportunity, I'm going to be streaming it over on our Nintendo Dads Twitch channel. Come on and join. I'd love for you guys to, to watch and support us as well. Speaking of Extra Life, we have an amazing team of our individuals who are doing Extra Life. Marty will begin his campaign next Thursday. Um, so we do have a Nintendo dad's extra life team. If you want to make a donation, uh, to it, you can go over to extra life and search Nintendo dads. You can do it at either the team level, or you can do it at the local level as well for some of the people who are on our team. So you can support that either which way. If you're like, well, hold on a second. You want me to support Patreon or want me to support Extra Life? Which one of these do you want? My first and foremost answer folks is Extra Life. Please support Extra Life. These, and if it's not us, Please, somebody else. We have got a ton of our amazing content creator friends out there. Sean, we have got Bobby. We have got the Mega Dads. We have got tons and tons of our friends, uh, our, our Nintendo Dads community, our Nintendo Dads family doing Extra Life. If you are looking to donate, please donate to any of them. It all It's all good causes. Of course, I want to come to Nintendo Dads because I want to beat the other teams. But absolutely, just, just donate. That's just the crutch of what we're saying. Helping kids um, in children's hospitals is... Um, is really close to a lot of our hearts because we've had kids who need that support. So if you if you have that opportunity, you have that ability, um, man, man, that's awesome. If you don't financially have that ability, just you know, giving them a retweet, giving them a love, giving them some shares, giving them some thumbs up, whatever that is to you, just to encourage them. Just I, I just, I just think we just need, need to encourage them to continue doing what they do. So if I can ask you to do that, that would be, that would be absolutely fantastic. All right, folks. Well, that is just about it. Uh, before I hand off to to uh, Gary, I do want to do a couple quick things here. Big shout out, big, amazing shout out to our Patreon producers, Chris, Dave, and Andrew. Thank you so much for your continued support. We greatly appreciate it. You guys are absolutely awesome. I want to encourage people, head over to our nintendodads.org is our new website. We have got the latest in our YouTube uh, videos, podcasts, social media, the Nintendo Dads shop, merch. You can do all that stuff as well. Also, I want to say this huge thank you, guys. 
We talked about in episode 250. Uh, we have we've done a lot of work in Twitch as of late, and we have seen a lot of you guys jump onto Twitch, not only to follow us on Twitch, but also subscribing. And man, that is awesome. Thank you so much. Um, we greatly appreciate we appreciate that. Um, you know, people are using their Amazon um, free subscriptions or Amazon Prime subscriptions and throwing that to us. Man, that is that is awesome. Thank you so much for that support as well. Um, every dollar subscription, click, like, all those things just help us build our community and, and build up um, our brand. So thank you so much. We greatly appreciate that. Of course, you can follow us over on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, all of those things for the Nintendo Dads. And of course, you can email us at NintendoDads at Gmail or podcast at nintendodads.org send us a voicemail 92925ndads or 92925-63237 guys thank you so much for subscribing hopefully you have enjoyed this kind of really micro episode for me it's uh, just shy of 30 minutes but I'm going to throw you over to my my main man my main man across the pond my Euro boys brother Mr. Gary Gray and he's going to talk about his time at EGX Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Hope you enjoyed that bit by Justin. And thank you, Justin, for handing it over to me for this very strange episode. This is the first time I've uh, sort of done one of these solo podcasts. So being alone in a room, chatting to myself is... Is, is kind of strange, right? But I suppose that's what you do when you do YouTube videos. So I suppose it isn't all that strange. So as Justin mentioned, uh, I went to EGX. Um, it was like a week and a half ago now. And uh, had uh, an absolute blast. It was a fantastic time. Uh, there will be some more coverage of EGX a bit later on in the terms of other things. But for now, I want to sort of point out a few of the games that you might not know about or or that you know about but haven't really heard much of. So we'll kick off with the, ma- the main contenders, right, which Nintendo was there. Nintendo was there in, in quite full force, to be honest, and uh, they brought a fair few games. But... With it being so late in the year, most of those games are already out. I mean, Luigi's Mansion was one of those, right? But that's out right now. So, yeah, kind of not really worth talking about so much. But I did really enjoy Luigi's Mansion. I played it on a Switch Lite. And um, I don't really like the Switch Lite too much. Uh, I I think it's fair enough to anybody who likes the system and thinks it's great. Uh, I had a bit of difficulty with it. But mainly because it's it's just small. So... Uh, I played the boss fight in Luigi's Mansion, and because the screen was so small, I was struggling to see what was what. But I, I'm sure it's perfect for some other games, and it's still a great pickup. It's just personally not for me, right? But Luigi's Mansion, I really enjoyed, and I'm sure you guys have already tucked in and uh, had a good blast at that. So, um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> there's not much to say, right? Because you're probably playing it right now. Other than that, I got to play Mario and Sonic at the Olympics, which I'm sure the demo that we played is the one that's out on the eShop. I haven't actually had a look at the eShop demo yet, but uh, that's a really good game. Uh, I, I enjoyed the normal modes. We played the archery um, with four of us there, and it was uh, it was really good. And then we went on to the retro stuff, which is the highlight to me. It's very track and field, very track and field, and uh, uh, I think it lends itself to that retro style really well. Uh, had a blast with it. Um, especially the, the some of the stuff they, they were playing it up on the stage as well and a few things that we didn't play like the high diving and for you people who were born around the same era as me or before Robotnik, not Eggman, Robotnik on the high diving is just the funniest because he has this like cheesy grin the entire time it's just so funny seeing this 16-bit pixel Robotnik doing somersaults without actually having any extra frames added to the original animations there's just something weird and quirky about it that's just beautiful, really. Uh, so that was actually one of my takeaway games from Nintendo Stand that I really like the most. Um, I actually think the highlight from Nintendo for me would have been Ring Fit Adventure. I really enjoyed Ring Fit Adventure, which obviously, again, is out now. Um, if you're still divided on it, it is more like a game, a lot more of a game than Wii Fit was. Um, so if you liked the concept of Wii Fit, but you felt that it was pointless having that sort of visual game-like stuff, but it's not really a game, then this might actually be for you. Like the, It really does turn it into much more of a game, and it's it's quite a workout, let me tell you that. Uh, if you if you want to know more Nintendo Dad's opinions on it, then Zach uploaded a video on YouTube. Go check that out, because uh, I, I'm sure Zach uh, found it the same as me. It's very tiring, so it obviously works. 
maybe next year we could all lose those dad bods and for extra um, extra life next year, Justin might have that six pack that that we 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 was trying to edge him to this year. I mean, you want to see Justin with a six pack, right? I'm sure you do. Well, let let let's start a campaign. I'll call it now. Hashtag dad bod no more on Twitter. If we get a hundred of them, hundred hashtags from a hundred different people, then Justin will have a six pack for extra life next year. I'm calling it now. Other than that, I played Tetris 99. Yeah, that's right, Tetris 99. You're probably thinking, why did you do that? Um, I actually played it up on stage in front of uh, a fair few people. Uh, there was four of us. We each had to play a game each and see who came top. I came second, which was which actually surprised me. It's quite hard to play in front of a crowd. Um, it was a great time. Really enjoyed it. Um, the guy who won, I mean... He was he was amazing. He was so fixated and and concentrated that he was going to win anyway. But he also had a really lucky run. So I'm I'm surprised he didn't come first in the match. I think he came like fourth. Um, I came 18th, which which earned me second place. I think the worst was like 96 or something like that. But I, I don't think they'd ever played Tetris before. <laughs> so I'm sorry I'm calling you out in podcast form, but it's yeah I've done that. So other than that. Nintendo Stand, the only game which had, uh, was not really coming out for a while was uh, Pokemon. And uh, I might not be the person to talk about Pokemon. It's a game that I really hold near and dear to my heart, but not really too much since Black and White. I haven't really got on with the 3DS games. And um, I didn't really think too much of uh, Sword and Shield. Um I don't think my opinion is the most valid opinion. If you're a Pokemon fan, then you're probably best not listening to my opinion because I think I've just grown tired of of the Pokemon formula and tired of the games in general. Um, so I honestly couldn't give you a completely unbiased opinion, but, but it's basically Pokemon, right? So if you enjoy the Pokemon formula, then it's basically the same thing. The uh, Gigamaxing, Gigamantamaxing, or Biggie, 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 Biggie Pokemons. Um, doesn't really change the game as much as I thought it would. You could you could still take down a Pokemon with your team, even if they're ginormous. It's it's still possible. And the demo was uh, basically the water gym. Um, I, so if if you guys look on YouTube, you'll find um, you'll find videos of it, of it. And uh, I think that game is holding more secrets than they might be letting on. Um, but it does feel. It feels very uh, Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon. It's it's basically just a Switch version of those. Is 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 what it feels like, and um, yeah, I, I'm still torn. Like I said, I'm, I'm sure that when the game comes out, it'll be a little bit more polished graphically. I don't think it looked too too amazing. It, it's I wouldn't say it looks bad, but like people we've we've heard people say on the internet, uh, it's not really doing anything to push the boat out too far on the graphics. But like I say, if you like the Pokemon formula, then I, I'm I'm fairly sure that you're guaranteed to like it. Me, not so much. Um, but the the real heroes of EGX was actually the indies. Uh, I really liked a lot of the indies on on offer, and I'm gonna go through a pick of my favourites because I played so many games that this podcast could literally go on for ages. I mean, Justin's already gave you a good twenty minutes, half an hour, right? So. I'll give you about 10-15 minutes of, of some of my picks. So um, one that's coming up, which is again from the partnership with Xbox that Nintendo seems to have because they're getting really cozy lately. And uh, it's fantastic, right? Seeing these games that should have been Xbox exclusives hitting a Switch is, is nothing but good things, right? So Super Lucky's Tale, got to uh, play that. Now I have played this on Xbox and... Um, I really like the Xbox version. It does have a few problems here or there, especially with camera angles and stuff like that. It feels very sort of N64 in some ways, in the ways that like the ideas there and the platforming solid, but there's the the mainly mainly the camera thing where it doesn't quite go where you want it to go, and and sometimes it's a bit off-putting. It's much better in the Switch version, and mechanically it does seem better. I do think that it's took a bit of a hit graphically. Um, it doesn't look as good, and the frame rate's definitely not as good. And it's also a little bit whitewashed. It doesn't look as colourful. Although, that being said, it could have been the monitors at the place, because, I mean, you know, you're looking at different TVs all the time, so maybe they just didn't nail the settings on it. Um, I, I do recommend this game for anyone, and the Switch version is still a good game. 
especially if you are into the N64 platforming era sort of things. There was a hiccup in it quite often, which was basically like um, almost as if the frame rates dropped to next to nothing for a, for a short while. Nothing too major, but we have seen it in games before, uh, like Unbox Newbies Adventure and Faye were two to me that stood out of doing this. And it seems to be quite a common thing in Switch ports, right? Where the frame rate's not as good, but every once in a while you'll get this hiccup, which is the off-putting part. I mean, we've even seen it in um, Link's Awakening. So it's not the end of the world, although that is something to take account of because that is something that's missing from the Xbox version. So if you have an Xbox version, a Switch version, I would say mm, maybe don't get it. Maybe, unless there's a lot more to it than, than what it seems. But um, I would say that it's they've done a really good job of porting it and the upgrades definitely seem um, worth it to a point. If, if you're into that kind of thing. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed my time with Super Lucky's Tale. I think I think the definitive version might still be the Xbox, so... But we'll see. We'll see when it comes out, because, like I say, a lot of these games are demo builds. And I think this is one of the first times that Super Lucky's Tale's been out. I haven't seen much footage of it, so maybe it is. And I didn't get too much time with it, but, like I said, I enjoyed the time that I had, so... Uh, it's definitely one to look out for, especially for the younger family members. I think they're going to really like it. It could be to kids what Banjo-Kazooie was to like my generation, where you're just young enough to... You, you're old enough to know how to play the games and to, how to platform, um, but you're not old enough to see the little tiny things that might irritate us as adult gamers. So it's definitely one to look out for. Um, we're going to go through a, to another single-player game now, which is Roki. This is this is sort of uh, for the fans of games such as Monkey Island or Broken Sword or maybe even the Discworld games. It's uh, basically a modern take on a point-and-click adventure. So, yeah, you're playing uh, as a girl walking around these beautifully low-poly, low-textured sort of environments, really beautiful to look at. And it's very sort of whimsical and dreamlike in 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 ways there's um a lot of scandinavian folklore influence which is obvious from the get-go um so the demo that i played was fairly short uh, one thing that i really liked about it was uh when i say it's point and click like you're not actually pointing and clicking you're you're running around so it is sort of a modern 3d sort of game and there was one section where there was a troll under a bridge who's got a sword sticking out of his shoulder blade and the task that you've got is to try to get this sword out of his back but he's too high for you to reach up and the bridge that goes over it is is too low underneath that for you to reach down so you have to go and collect a bunch of items and combine them in your inventory to to be able to get the sword out um, spoilers for anybody who's planning on playing this game. This might be early in it, so I'm um, just going to give you that warning now to skip maybe the next three, four minutes while I tell you how to solve that. But basically, you, you gain a rope and a bear trap, and you combine the two, and that lets you sort of winch it down to his back, which as soon as it hits the sword, it grabs, and you can pull the sword out of his back. And the the, the thing that I liked the most about Roki is it's... It's really relaxed. The soundtrack's great. Visually, it's great. But there doesn't feel like there's any pressure in the game. You have time to think and look around. And all the trolls and stuff like that that are in the game, all these mythical, whimsical creatures, um, so far are misunderstood as as far as I've gathered. I'm sure that's going to change a bit later on in the game, but there's this feeling that they're just misunderstood, right? So, uh, for example, as soon as you get that out the troll's back, he becomes friendly. And, um, yeah, it's just it's quite, it's quite a unique take, really. Um, one I'm actually looking forward to the most out of all the games I've played. It's one I've been following for a while, but uh, definitely looks up there amongst the best. And so I think that we should go for some dad games, right? Let's get the dad games out of the way, and then we'll go to the family games. So Streets of Rage 4 was one that I got to play. Now, this is made by uh, the same guys who made Wonder Boy, The Dragon's Trap, and Monster Boy, which is .emo and Lizard Cube, if I remember right. .emu, however you pronounce it. 
and it's basically Street of Rage as you remember it. It, and I wouldn't say it's the same as it was, but it's how you remember it. So he plays how you remember rather than how he did, and it has this beautiful hand-drawn art style, and it's very, 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 very respectful of its roots. Like it really does feel like a Streets of Rage game. So you don't see much of those around now, and when you do, they're sort of like bite-sized indie takes on that sort of genre and which I mean this is indie game as well right that's not saying anything bad about indies but sometimes you don't get quite as much uh, depth as some of the old games like uh, Streets of Rage and Golden Axe used to have and so seeing Streets of Rage come back and be as good as it was is something I'm really excited for and as somebody who who had a Mega Drive growing up, I finished the other Streets of Rages, so it's nice to see a sequel to something that's that was released so long ago. And speaking of which, Windjammers. Windjammers 2, to be exact. So I played the original Windjammers last year, and uh, that was on the Switch version, though. I really enjoyed it. Windjammers 2 isn't too much different. So if you've played Windjammers 1, you kind of know what it is. It's basically, for a better term... And probably the only term I can think of. It's hardcore pong, right? With a frisbee. So you're throwing this frisbee back and forth and you're trying to get it in the other one, get into the goal. That's it. Again, this is the same people. So it's got this wonderful art style, which actually doesn't change the feel of the game, but it makes the game feel different. It makes it feel fresh and up to speed and all that sort of stuff. And they've added a few mechanics in there. You've got some special moves and things. Um, I don't know the depth of the single player or if there is a single player or if there's online um, there wasn't anybody there we could talk to when we played these but um, really good as a party game especially if you're just you and a friend or a bunch of friends and you've got some drinks um, definitely one to sort of pick up and play quick fire matches put it down straight away so um that was actually one of my standout two-player games of the of the entire event. I really enjoyed it. Um, thought it was great. Um, that and Streets of Rage. I mean, <laughs> to say they're both the same developer, they've nailed the two-player games between these two games. So definitely look forward to both of those. Um, I know I've got them on my wish list, and uh, I really think that people who haven't looked at any footage of these games, you should look at the footage and definitely keep them in mind. So we're going to go on to some family games now, right? We're Nintendo dads, so we wanted to keep this the biggest part of EGX. So I purposely went out to find the best family games I could to talk about. And uh, as it turns out, Coatsync were probably the leaders for it because they, they had two incredibly good family games. One's a two-player game and the other one's up to four. And um, I've had my eye on the first one, which is Fogs. Me and Justin have talked about it on the show before. I've been singing its praises for a while now. And um, Fogs is basically cat dog, but dog dog. So it's a double-ended dog. And um, one controller plays one end and the other controls the other. You can stretch out a bit further. So, you know, the dog is like elasticated. And um, some really clever mechanics. It's setting like a dream world. So if there's like a running tap, the one dog could bite the one end and the water passes through the dog and out the other one's mouth. So it becomes basically a hose. Same with light. Light travels through the dog's bellies as well. And it makes some really interesting puzzles. And uh, again, this is like one of those low poly sort of really clean cut games. And I think it lends itself to the art style really well. We actually we actually played the Switch version this time, which last time we spoke about it was a PC build. So... It was nice to see it running, really, really colourful and beautiful, uh, looked looked the part completely. Um, like I said, it's one that I've been looking at for a while. And if you want to see some footage of Fogs, we'll have a video on this fairly soon on the Nintendo Dad's YouTube channel, um, as well as some of these other games I'll be previewing over the next couple of months, really, stretching them out and um, taking a closer look and telling you why you should be so excited about them. But Fogs... Definitely not for the younger kids, maybe, but for definitely for like uh, sort of the ones who've just reached the game in prime, like figuring out puzzles and stuff like that. Um, definitely can see some sort of uh, daddy daughter sessions with me and uh, Erica playing that one. Um, 
Yeah, I've been singing his praises for a while, so only good things about Fogs. The next one the coasting brought was uh, Cake Bash, which is basically a... Imagine a really frantic Mario Party game, except they've took that that single mini game out of Mario Party and stretched it into a full game in an inventive way, so it actually feels like a really uh, compact and full game. And basically, you play it as cakes. So you've got stuff like donuts, French fancies, uh, cupcakes, and stuff like that. And we played it four player. And it was basically, it was like there was missions on each one. So the first one was see how many sweets you could get stuck to your cake body. So you could basically uh, sprint and like a dodge sprint uh, and attack. And uh, you can knock sweets off each other. So it has that like chaotic element. And for players who may not be, you know, the greatest of players, there's that random element in it as well, which which obviously adds to the fun, right? I know that some people can get frustrated with stuff like Mario uh, Kart 8 and Smash, but in my opinion, that random element is what makes it playable for everyone. And this had that. For example, there was one level that was set on a roof of a building in a city, and there was a pigeon that every once in a while would come and try and peck the cakes or poo on the cakes. <laughs> And it's just that sort of craziness that that I really like in a game because there's always that chance that no matter how good you are of a player that you might not win that round. And we played a bunch of rounds, right? So there was um, all these different missions on each one. Like some of them were literally just break fortune cookies. But um, I really enjoyed it. It was, it was definitely one that we had a great laugh with. Um, again, played with four people. Um, it's it's got this beautiful sort of weird art style to it where the cakes act really do look <laughs> look incredibly good and um talking to the guys who who um behind it it was made by uh, ex ubisoft developers and like they were really particular about how good the game looked so um all the all the environments and stuff were really inviting it was really really good game uh, definitely one for uh, a cake party, a tea party, or or beer party if you if you want. But uh, it's one of those accessible games that anyone can play, and a uh, great fun as a bunch of adults playing it as well. And from there we go to Team 17's moving moving out, should I say, which is a game about um you're basically a bunch of humanoid animals who own a moving out company is from what I could gather and uh, you go to places like a farm for example and you have to move everything out so all the troughs and the, and the animals as well and um, it sounds easy it is not easy because it's that sort of thing where two of you might have to lift something up but because there's physics involved it like becomes a task like how do we pivot this thing out out of the barn into the into the moving van um and we actually failed that mission because the sheep kept running out of the van um we were screaming at each other so loudly and um we also tried to basically treat it like uh, almost like a Mario Party game again where there's a slap button and rather than using that for good to work together we ended up slapping each other and because of that we also ended up losing so uh, (laughs) it's as much fun as you make it but uh, really enjoyed it the second level that we played was a haunted house which you had to slap ghosts in order to stop them I'm not sure if that's it, that's a thing that ghosts normally suffer from is a a good old slapping but it works and um, stuff like the furniture so chairs would move on their own and try and escape from the van once you put them on so you've got to think about the order that you put things onto this little tiny van which just about holds everything definitely one to look out for again great fun uh we, we were actually watching some kids play it as well on their own and they they were screaming with laughter at it so uh yeah incredibly good time with that one and one of the last games I want to talk about, just to keep this podcast around the hour mark, is Locomotion. This is another game that I've been looking at for a while, and I believe it's out on Steam, um, which is fitting, right, for a train game called Locomotion. Makes sense. Uh, we played, again, we played a Switch Builder, this one, and it's translated so well. Now, this is for people who like puzzle games um, and Captain Toad, very Captain Toad in ways. You're setting basically looking at the same sort of levels. It's like it's diorama, square level with stuff on top. 
and you're playing as a train and it's really simple in concept you've got to get from point a to point b easy right well that's where the difficulty is is because to get from point a to point b isn't straightforward so you've got all sorts of signals and roundabouts and turnstiles magnets teleporters all sorts of craziness to try and get from one point to another maybe some rocks are in the way so you need to pick up a carriage of dynamite but you have to turn around in order to push it there so it gets complex complicated and um it really is a bit of a mind bender at times. Like it took two of us uh, quite a while to figure out the one level. Uh, it's just done so well, and it's really hard to give it justification over spoken word without the visuals because the visuals, uh, just just phenomenal. Like we we met the uh, people behind it there again, and the artist, and they've done such a good job of like making this really clean cut and easy to understand and appealing looking diorama set and then the gameplay and the puzzle construction is is really thought through and really complicated in places so it just makes a, a fantastic experience from what we've what we've played so far and um we found out that it was actually the entire game running on the switch so we could have stayed there and tried to complete the game and we did stay there for a very long time um playing it probably probably too long to be honest <laughs> um, but it's definitely one to look out for like i say if, if you're a fan of puzzle games and you want something unique and you want you're itching for something that's even remotely close to the genius behind uh captain terror treasure tracker then locomotion is one to keep your eye out on and uh have a look for and there were some other games there which i'll talk about at another time um some weren't confirmed for switch but they were in development with switch predominantly in mind so over the next coming weeks and months i'll be talking about these up until a lot of these games release um and honestly this list that i've just gave you i i would really honestly uh keep an eye out for them for them like if anything sounded slightly appealing uh these were the most enjoyable games at the show um and so keep an eye out for them so i hope you enjoyed this little rant it's been 26 minutes of me sat in a chair staring at a monitor and talking to a microphone so it's weird not having the other nintendo dads here right i mean giving your own input is one of those strange things where it feels kind of jarring because you've not got any back and forth so i hope this has hasn't been as tough to listen to as it has been to record uh i just want to give a quick shout out before we go to barry dunn from nintendo in uh, no, not from Nintendo Impact Game. That was what it used to be called. Impact Game Station. Sorry, Barry. <laughs> the name changed, you know. It, it's still there in my mind. Uh, the guys from Switch Island, Paul Lloyd, Gorney, and Phil um, for basically um, going around and helping me out with some of this stuff. Um, Nathan from the Nintendo Village. Again, a solid guy. Um gave me some more insight into ring fit adventure watched him play that and um when we talk about it a bit more maybe i'll share the footage of him exercising on that one <laughs> but uh a fantastic time great bunch of people met a lot of of really awesome people there and uh, got to play some really cool games and it, it's largely thanks to our patreon um you know it, it we can't we can't putting to words sometimes how grateful we are for the support that you give us and uh so from the bottom of my heart i want to say thank you like without you these these events and stuff wouldn't be possible and uh, we couldn't give you the coverage that that we feel you deserve so if you've got any questions just get in contact direct with any of us or or with me at flatcap gary on twitter about any of these games or anything else that i might have seen final fantasy 7 was there for the non-nintendo players as well as a, a queue for people to watch a death stranding demo which yeah i don't understand that one but i want to say thank you again to everyone who supports the show and if, if it's the first time you listened you came in on a weird episode but uh, make sure that you subscribe because we've got some more lovely nintendo stuff on the way and more from these egx games and the developers and all that sort of stuff so until next time that's ciao for now